Well, today we're going to continue our new sermon series in the Psalms, and we've been talking about worship and celebration. And the question that I have for you today is, what do you long for? What do you think in your life will actually satisfy you? I know the 60s rock band, the Rolling Stones, sang, I can't get no satisfaction. That's why I'm not on worship team anymore. <laughs> and I try, and I try, and I try. And the irony is, the Rolling Stones tried everything. They had girls. They had money. They had their dreams being fulfilled. They filled auditoriums, and they still could not find satisfaction. And the question for all of us is what do you actually think will satisfy you? What are you chasing? What do you long for? And when you get it, does it satisfy you? I know for me, as I'm getting older, I find myself chasing different things. You know, my hairline is starting to <laughs> change, and I find myself chasing, oh, I wish it was still there. You know, I, I find myself chasing tech or improvements in my house or that, that next vacation. And you know the irony? Every single time when I get it, it doesn't satisfy me. I want more and more and more. And I think just like the rich and famous, what are you chasing in your life that you believe will deeply satisfy you? What are you reaching for? Many people are trying to find satisfaction and pouring their energy into their appearance. Or if they had just a little bit more money, or if they worked just a little bit less, or if they got married, or if they found that perfect spouse, or if they had kids, then they will be satisfied. And as you're going to see, none of those things, those temporary things, will deeply satisfy you. So the question is, what are you longing for? What are you chasing? Well, the first thing I want to look at is that only God can satisfy our souls. Only God can satisfy our souls. Let's jump in. Let's read verse 1, chapter 42. It says this. As a deer pants for flowing streams, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? In other words, the psalmist is giving us this image of this deer panting for this, this water, this longing streams. It's not, it's hot outside, I just need a drink. <laughs> it's desperation. The deer is dehydrated. The deer can't continue on until it gets filled up, until it has that drink that it needs. The deer described hasn't had water for days. And as we know, our biological bodies need water. 
And after two or three days, we can't go on. That's what David is describing. He's saying, like a deer that thirsts for flowing fresh streams, so my soul is thirsty. God, I'm desperate for you. I need you. I can't go on. He's saying he's spiritually dehydrated. He's empty. He's parched. He's missing something that he once had. What does he mean that he wants the living God? All throughout the Bible, God, Yahweh, is referred to the living God, which sets him apart from dead idols. In Deuteronomy 5.26, we read that the living God speaks to his people. In Joshua, we read that the living God dwells with his people. And if you jump to the New Testament in 1 Timothy 3.5, Paul tells Timothy that as the church, as the church gathers, we are meeting with the living God. And as we gather... The living God is here. It's powerful, exciting. He's changing us. He's moving among us. That's why we're seeing people get baptized. That's why we're seeing people make a decision to take that next step. It's because of the living God. God isn't distant. He's present. He's speaking to you. He's speaking to me. Rick Warren says this, God's word generates life, creates faith, produces change, frightens the devil, causes miracles, heals hurts, builds character, transforms circumstances, imparts joy, overcomes adversity, defeats temptation, infuses hope, releases power, cleanses our minds, brings things into being, and guarantees our future forever. He's a living God. The question for all of us is where do you go when you're thirsty? Where do you go when you want to be satisfied? You know, my family was away last week, and I'm not the cook of the house. <laughs> you know, I was working some long hours, doing some renovations, all that kind of thing, and when, when I got hungry, it's like, well, drive through for cheeseburgers or a granola bar. <laughs> That's what it came down to. And so I found my reaching for something quick and easy, and after I ate it, I was never satisfied. And that's exactly what David is saying. He doesn't want to reach for the quick and the easy. He doesn't want the gummy bears. He doesn't want the ice cream bars. He wants something that is going to nourish his soul. Something that's going to satisfy him deeply. He's not looking for the quick and easy answer. In other words, he's been on the other side of the binge. <laughs> He's tried all the things. He's had the women. He's been caught in sin. 
He's had and has riches. And none of those things satisfied him. He said, God, I need you. I need to deeply experience you. I need to be changed. I keep getting caught in the same old things. God, I need you to change me. I need the living God. And when our soul thirsts, nothing satisfies like the one who's created us. Nothing can fill our need and restore us like the living God. And only God can meet our all-consuming desire for more. And only God can fill that empty void. And only God can bring about that spiritual transformation that you and I need. Only God. And David gets it. Do we get it? What are you chasing? What are you longing for? And here David is like, oh God, when can I come and meet with you? When can I be free from this bondage, this heartache, this longing? And David is longing for God's presence. He's longing for God to increase in his life and for sin to decrease. He's longing for that deep connection and that deep peace that he's experienced once before. And this is why Jesus says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. What are you longing for? Augustine says this, all of us have a God-shaped vacuum which only he can fill. All of us have this need for God that only he can fill and only God can satisfy our lives. But next, David is saying, our souls are not always well. Our souls aren't always well. Not everything is happy. Not everything is good. We're not always like, yay, Jesus. Praise your name. It's like, no, I don't really want to go to church. God, I hate you right now. Everything's a mess. This is what Psalm 42.3 in verse 4 says this. My tears have been my food day and night while they say to me all day long, where is your God? Then he says, these things I remember as I pour out my soul, how I would go with the throng and lead them in procession to the house of God with glad shouts and songs of praise, a multitude keeping that festival. In other words, this longing flows from a void. This longing flows from these tears. He's crying out. He's not in a good place. And for some reason, David is unable to worship There's been this lack of corporate worship. There's been this lack of fellowship. There's been this lack of joy. It kind of reminds me of the times of COVID. (laughs) Where we couldn't come together and worship. And for some reason, David has neglected his worship. Verse 
And he says in verse 5, Why are you so cast down, O my soul? Why are you in turmoil within me? In verse 11, Why, my soul, are you downcast? O my soul, why are you disturbed within me? And this word downcast means depressed, bent low, stuck in despair, stuck in the pit. And he's asking the question, why? Why am I in this state? Why can't I pull myself out? I think there's many reasons why. And I think we need to ask ourselves the same question, God, why am I feeling this way? Why are things amiss in my heart? And here's some of the reasons that we know in the Psalms is that there's a spiritual dryness and isolation that David is going through. In other words, David is more focused on the past than he is on the present. He remembers happier days, worshiping in the, in the temple, and he longs to experience that again. But now he's isolated himself. He's no longer going to the temple and worshiping. And he's not experiencing God like he used to because he has sin in his life. Remember Bathsheba? He chose to commit adultery. <laughs> and now he's isolated himself because that's what sin does. It isolates us from God, from his people, from what is good. It leaves a mark. And David feels it. He realizes his mistakes. He's wallowing in the past. But our soul might not be good because even relationship problems. And David has relationship problems. As the king, people are out to get him. He has enemies. There's people speaking against him. There's people that are holding his sin up in front of his face. David, look what you did. <laughs> There's people that are making his life difficult. There's relational tensions and pressures, and it ex affects our spiritual lives and how we relate to God and others. And like David, our souls don't do well when we have relationship problems, right? Right? <laughs> But David is also having physical struggles. He makes it clear that he's not sleeping. He's not eating. And no matter what the, the symptoms are, the struggle is, he's struggling to make it through. And as it is with David and Jesus, our physical struggles also, as we're going through, God still expects us to walk with him. He provides a way to be with him. And the Bible is filled 
with stories of men and women who fought physical struggles and emotional struggles and mental struggles. Think of Elijah, Jeremiah. And church history also tells us of men and women who struggled. Martin Luther, Charles Spurgeon, all struggled emotionally and mentally. The point is that our souls are not always well. Not everything is going to be happy and easy in our life. But David doesn't stay there. And like David, we can be focused on the past. We can be focused on those moments when everything came together and we're like, man, I feel the presence of God. I see him at work. I feel joy. I want to go to church. You know those moments when everything's good? (laughs) Yet there are times when we're not feeling it. And God feels distant. And you don't feel like worshiping. And you don't feel like going to church. You don't feel like serving. And you don't feel like going on. And that's where David is. But the question is, when you're down and out, what do you reach for? When you're struggling, do you reach for God? Or do you reach for sin? We might be longing for God to satisfy us, but we might be grabbing a hold of everything that brings unsatisfaction. My question is, what is your posture towards God when you're struggling? Do you come to him with a receiving heart? God, speak to me, minister to me. Or do you close yourself off from him? God, I'll get back to you. I'm not doing well. I'm going to focus on me right now, not you. And the problem is, when we're in despair, when we're depressed, we often reach for the next dopamine fix. We reach for our phones. We, we reach for that, that sweet, sugary chocolate. We reach for substances. We reach for every single thing that will bring us down into a a deeper despair rather than bringing us out. So what are we reaching for? Erwin Lutzer says this. Many of us are not thirsty for God because we have not quenched our thirst at other fountains. Because we have quenched our thirst at other fountains. In other words, what are you going to to quench your thirst to satisfy you when your soul isn't well? Lastly, David fights for a satisfied soul. He fights for a satisfied soul. Verse 5, this is what he says. Hope in God, 
for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. In other words, he recognizes that he's not in a good place. He knows that he doesn't have to stay there. He knows that he can move out of that place and be satisfied by God. He knows that I can pray, that he can praise God again. He knows that he can take a step forward even when he doesn't feel like it. But what does he do? He not only acknowledges his state, but he decides to fight. In fact, this entire psalm is a fight for joy. It's a fight to praise God again. It's a fight to experience the living God. It's a fight to claw your way out of the pit when you don't know what to do. And that's exactly what David is doing. So how do we fight for our souls when we're not doing well? First, let's stop. Stop what you're doing. Stop the cycle and talk to God. Stop going to the thing that you think will satisfy you, and you know it doesn't deep down. And redirect your heart to God and say, God, I need you. I need you to minister to my soul. I need you to pull me out of this pit that I'm experiencing. Because even David feels as if God has forgotten him, but he knows it's not true. But he feels as if it is true. And so often when we follow our feelings, rather than what God says about us, it leads us in the wrong direction. So when your soul is not well, be honest about it. Don't ignore it. Talk with God. Talk with a trusted friend. Stop the cycle Verse 4 says this, pour out your heart to the Lord. In other words, don't, don't hide it. Don't keep it in. Be transparent with God, with the feelings. Even if you don't know what you're saying at the time, be honest with God. Listen to what your soul needs, not your circumstances. Listen to his word, not your feelings. Learn to focus on God rather than your circumstance. Because God may not give you an easy way out. But he can meet you in the hard, in the difficult. But second, we fight for a satisfied soul by going after God. By going after God. When our souls are not well, we tend to ignore him. We tend to ignore his word and his community. We tend to withdraw and keep to ourselves. In other words, we tend to be passive. And the cry of David is the exact opposite. It's a cry of longing. It's this cry of pursuing God in every single thing that you're going through. 
So when our souls are not well, it's an invitation to sing and worship. It's an invitation to go to God's word and open it up and let him speak to you. It's an invitation to run after and draw closer to him because he will satisfy you. It's an invitation to fight, to experience God, the living God. And when you go after God, you learn to leave your selfishness behind. When you go after God, it's because you realize that he's the only one that can meet your need. When you go after God, you learn to love the praise of Jesus more than the praise of your own name. And when you go after God, you realize that real contentment comes from going to a deeper well. A well that he gives you. It's not something that you can produce in yourself. It's his well. It's his fountain of life. It's reaching for life and nourishment beyond, beyond what anything else can give you. I'm going to close with this illustration. You know, we have a rich historic faith. And this is one of those stories that stands the test of time. It happened in 1873 when Horatio... Spanford's family was traveling in a boat from Chicago to France. And he stayed back in Chicago because he was still had some business things that he had to wrap up. But when his family was traveling to France, a big storm hit the boat. And all four of his kids died. And somehow his wife made it to France and got word back to her husband. Of course, he was devastated. He felt that despair, that depression that David is talking about. So as he was making his way back to see his wife across, across the Atlantic Ocean, the captain announced that they were now passing the place where he lost his kids. And for Horatio, this was passing through the valley of the shadow of death. So you know what he did? He sat down in his cabin in the high seas on the boat and he wrote the hymn that we would know as It Is Well With My Soul. And in Old English, this is what he says. When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, Whatever my lot, whatever happens, thou haste taught me to say, it is well. It is well with my soul. Though Satan should buffet, through trials should come, let this blessed assurance control that Christ has regarded my helpless estate and has shed his own blood for my soul.
Oh, my sin, my sin, the bliss of this glorious thought, my sin, not in part but whole, all of it, is nailed to the cross, and I bear it no more. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, oh, my soul. Can you sing it is well with your soul? Have you experienced the living God, no matter what happens in your life, that you can turn to God and go, I'm yours. I choose you. I can sing. I can worship. Despite what has happened today or tomorrow or in 10 years. And when I stand before the king, Jesus, can you say, it is well with my soul? What do you long for? I'm call the worship team up. We're going to sing another version of that song. But I want to give you a moment to talk with God, to experience him. Here's three questions that you could ask. First, what pulls your heart away from God? What do you believe is going to satisfy you that you keep grabbing a hold of other than him? What do you desire more than being close to God? What's that mirage in your life that you keep chasing after? And what can you do today to go after God and experience him and take that next step? What is God saying to you that you need to do or stop doing? Just take a minute. Close your eyes. Talk to God. Let the Spirit speak to you. I'm going to call the prayer teams up. If you want prayer for whatever reason, they would love to pray with you. So just as the team plays, once we start singing, let's stand together, but let's take some time. What pulls your heart away from God? What do you desire more than him that's getting in the way? What is God calling you to do today?